This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of Talking MMA, episode number 13. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, of course. And if you enjoyed, of course, but I don't see why you wouldn't. If you're an MMA fan, speaking of the content, there's a lot coming your way, guys. We've got interviews with MMA personalities, coaches, etc. We've got highlights, we've got breakdowns, podcasts like this, and so much more. If you're an MMA fan, I don't see why you wouldn't enjoy this page. It's a lot more than just individual things. There's a whole collection of stuff coming your way. So again, hitting the table here. I'm so excited. So again, check us out. TikTok. Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, uh, YouTube, of course. And if you want to listen, there's a lot of people that don't like to watch on video. I feel like I'm the same way a lot of times when I'm in my car. I just want to listen. I don't want to have to see the video per se. Check me out on Spotify, Talking MMA, same name as YouTube. On Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, I am Talking underscore MMA, a little bit different, but you'll find me there. You search it up, you find it, follow, all that good stuff. As always, I want to get right into the show. Hope everyone's been doing well. We got a lot to talk about, though. Um, Bellator, UFC, uh, UFC Vegas 51, and then UFC 273, right? So a lot of stuff's happened since since I was last here, since we last spoke on this stuff. I want to start with UFC Vegas 51, given that... It is tomorrow. Um, we got Vicente Luque versus Bilal Muhammad. I want to touch on that main event a little bit. And I think that's a very interesting fight, right? It's a big fight for the welterweight division. We have number five in the world versus number six. And it's an interesting fight because it has a little bit of backstory to it. Not bad blood or anything, but Bilal Muhammad's a guy who really never gets finished in the UFC. He's a tough guy. He's a durable guy. He's experienced. Um, Vicente Luque is the only guy to have knocked him out in the UFC, uh, so it makes for an interesting little storyline going into it. Bilal was finished. He was knocked out by Vicente in 2016 in the first round. Um, so it's, what, about five years now since they fought? Um, they're both very different fighters. Um, and they both have had interesting paths leading up to where they are now. Vicente Luque being the minus 180 favorite. Uh, it's going to be a close fight. The odds say that. The odds makers do say that. And I would agree. For me, it's a... It's a very close fight to pick, you know, two very good guys. I would have to go with Vicente Luque in that fight. I think he gets it done via finish. Um, When you get these guys, when you look at these two guys, right, along the lines of how their fights end, two different, polar opposites. Because Vicente Luque is a guy who finishes fights at a far, far higher clip. Bilal Muhammad's a guy who, for the most part, gets it done via decision. He'll win, like, unanimous decisions, split decisions, Luke's finishing a lot of guys via KO, submission, what have you. He's a very versatile fighter. As is Bilal Muhammad, because we know he's, his stand-up is very up to par, and we know what he can do in the wrestling department, what he did against the Wonderboy Thompson. That surprised me. You know, what he was able to do against Wonderboy was interesting because Wonderboy, a guy who's been able to fend off all these great wrestlers throughout his career, you know, pick him apart from the outside, do what he does, and has shown to have great takedown defense. Bilal Muhammad... I believe was about what seven of nine on the takedowns in their fight when they last fought. So it was interesting to see Wonderboy could do that. Now, was it the age of Wonderboy? Was it just the simple rise of Bilal Muhammad? He's arrived. He's legit. He's a real deal. All that good stuff could be a bit of both. I just think Bilal Muhammad's. Re- I just think he's a truth. I think he's good. You know. Um, again, Bilal being twenty and three. But if we go back to the finishing stuff, Bilal. I think through about maybe 20 UFC, 20, 20 fights throughout his career, rather, he's only got about four finishes. So it tells you that he's finishing guys at a 
lower clip than average, actually. So not only is he not this guy who's just going out and finishing people left and right, but he doesn't finish fights. He's a little below average in terms of finishing fights. Like a lot, you know, this is a sport where you're in four ounce gloves. So a lot of times the fights do end. They never, they don't really get to a finish, right? A lot of times, not all the time. But Bilal's a guy who seems to be going through a lot of these decisions. And within that process has gained experience. Vicente Luque, again, we just touched on this guy who finishes fights a lot and can finish them from anywhere. Submissions. The guy has a nasty guillotine, nasty darts from the ground. Um, very offensive from his back. A very good fighter if he's going to be taken down by Bilal Muhammad. So I think he can thrive in both levels of the fight. But I think Bilal can thrive in both levels of the fight too. Bilal does a very good job of, of moving around the outside of the octagon. And I think exploding when he has to, landing the big shot. Both guys, very good fighters. Both orthodox fighters, but switch stances a lot. If you look at them fight, they both switch stances a lot. Um, and then when you look at Vicente Luque... He's, when he switches into that that uh, southpaw stance, you got to watch out for that for that high kick, that left high kick, because he's gotten guys with that one before. So, both versatile guys, you know, both have some some tools in the box. You know, what does this fight mean for the welterweight division? I don't think it's a title fight. I don't think these guys have maybe done enough per se. Vicente Luque, you can argue, right? What is a guy on like a seven fight win streak when you look at him? So Vicente Luque, who is 21-7-1 again, you look at his last fights, and um, the guy's on a roll. You know, Chiesa, Woodley, Brown. He beat Price, that's right. He beat. Uh, he lost to Wonderboy, so that was the last time he lost a fight. So... So Luque is actually on a four-fight win streak. Four-fight win streak, but that's still tough. You know, that's still very impressive. But that's why I don't know if that really warrants you just getting a title shot right off the hook. Because, look, he did lose to Wonderboy, and he got fairly outclassed in that one, right? But that was a while ago. That was in 2019. It's been three years now since that happened, right? Two and a half years, give or take. He beats Bryce, he beats Brown, he beats Woodley, and he beats Chiesa. Does that warrant you a title shot, per se? Like, were any of those guys in the top five? Like, was Michael Chiesa in the top five when you beat him? I don't think he was. I think he was, like, just sitting right outside the top five, if I'm not mistaken. So, to say he deserves a title shot now after beating Bilal, who's not even in the top five himself, that might be saying too much. But he's certainly going to be firmly in the top five, firmly one of the two, three names in the hat to fight for a title. You know, that's certainly going to happen. And then if Bilal wins this fight, right, Bilal, who's number six, now cracks into the top five. And... I'm not going to say he's a little bit of a fresher face, but if you look at just the facts, Luke is a guy who we've seen get outclassed before by a guy like Wonderboy. And then we've seen Wonderboy get beat by some of those guys in the top tier of the division, right? So we sort of seen something, some of the script written on Luke if things were to go bad. But again, that was a different Luke. So it's similar to like Oliveira, like who knows, right? You can't compare him to how he was before. But when you look at Bilal, he's fresher blood, right? In the sense that he gets into that top five, and he doesn't have stories of getting his ass kicked by Kamar Usman and training like Luke does. He doesn't have that loss to Wonderboy Thompson, who's fairly known in the division. He's a guy who's... It's weird because Luke is on a four-fight win streak, right? And I think I said seven-fight win streak because Chael Sonnen said that shit. So that just threw me off. I don't know what the fuck Chael was talking about there. Chael said Luke was on a seven-fight win streak in their breakdown. I still love Chael Sonnen. I don't even care. But yeah, that threw me off. So... Again, Luke is 
is good. But Bilal Muhammad, I feel like, has more momentum on his side right now. I don't know why. I just see more of an improvement throughout every fight in Bilal Muhammad. But I still got Luke. I don't know. I still think Luke finishes him. I still think he gets it done. I just think he's more dangerous of a fighter. That, to me, is what it boils down to. I just think he's a more dangerous fighter. If I have to give the wrestling edge, I'd probably give it to, to Bilal. But the jiu-jitsu, I'm giving it to Luke. The striking, I'm giving it to Luke. You know, if the fight goes on, if the fight is to is to go five rounds, right? Or what is it's a five-rounder? Yeah. If, if we start getting into three, four, round three, four, five, I think it starts to favor Bilal Muhammad. Because, again, what we just talked about, his history shows us that he can win these decision fights, right? Luke is a guy who doesn't really go into the late rounds much because he finishes most of his fights. So if it goes into the later rounds, I say Bilal Muhammad wins. If this fight is to be finished quick, I think it will definitely be Luke and not Bilal Muhammad. So an interesting fight nonetheless. Now I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about Bellator. Bellator 277, it's a big fight we got. And it's tonight. UFC's tomorrow. Uh, but this one's tonight, guys. It's... Is it the biggest Bellator card of all time? Like, I'm I'm super excited for it. Um, and let's start off with the main event. AJ McKee versus Patricio Pipple. That is a big fight at 145 pounds, right? Uh, AJ McKee, the undefeated star, perhaps the biggest star in Bellator right now. A lot of people are saying, certainly showing it recently, you know, winning fights, uh, showing style, showing just showing himself, showing personality. And a lot of people are getting behind him. He's starting to become a, Quite a household name in a hardcore MMA community, in the hardcore MMA fans' eyes. He is starting to become a household name because he's being good guys. And when you look at him, he's 18-0, right? And Patricio Pitbull at 32-5 and is a guy who was a double champion for Bellator before this. The guy who was riding high, right? The guy who maybe was the go-to Bellator before. Well, I'm not going to say AJ's the go-to Bellator, rather. But a lot of people thought AJ, Patricio Pitbull was a go-to Bellator. And then this kid, AJ McKee, who now people say is the face of Bellator came in, beat him in the first fight. And let's talk about that first fight before we get into the second one a little bit. The first fight was weird. To me, Pitbull came out a little bit flat. It was strange. Um, And it ended quick. Everybody knows it ended quick, right? AJ McKee caught him with about a minute and a half into the fight with a big head kick, a big, uh, a big high kick to the head, of course. And he sort of wobbled Pitbull, right? Then he, ended, he dropped him with a, with a combination, if I'm not mistaken, Fight goes to the ground, and AJ being the young guy that he is, how old is he? I think he's like, what, 25? Something like that. AJ being the young guy that he is at the age of 27, so he's a young guy. He celebrated a bit early, right? He's like, oh, shit, I won the fight. It looked like I heard him. Fight wasn't over yet. Pitbull seemed to have still been there a little bit. So then he locks in a guillotine choke, um, finishes the fight there, and uh, we know the rest of the story, right? He wins a million-dollar check. He wins the featherweight Grand Prix tournament, uh, wins the championship. So it was a big night in the office for AJ McKee in that first fight. But again, Pitbull just looked outmatched to me. It was weird, right? And I didn't think Pitbull... Pitbull is a very experienced guy. He's a durable guy, and Pitbull has shown to have been in these wars, but he's gained experience and he's shown improvements throughout his fight. If you look throughout his career, he's shown incremental improvements throughout every fight. There's some fighters that just spiral, go on a three-fight losing streak, then it seems like they got their mojo back. Pitbull, for the most part, does very well throughout his career. If you look at the trajectory of his career, anytime he's lost a fight, even when he goes into fight a rematch, 
he does very well in the rematch. He's always a guy that learns from those one or two losses and comes back. He's a very resilient fighter. Not saying he's a guy who's taken a lot of L's in his career, right? He's got he's like what thirty two and five hasn't had many setbacks, but the times he has had setbacks, he's marched forward and improved at every turn. He's never spiraled downward. So, Pitbull, I don't know what's going to happen in this fight. Again, history says that Pitbull is going to be better. History says he's going to do more in this fight, and. Not just Pitbull's history in rematches, just history in general, right? How many times in mixed martial arts do we have a fight that gets finished early, right? Within one minute, two minute, or just within the first round in general? That second fight usually is going a lot longer, right? When there's like a rematch like that. It, the second fight usually goes a bit longer. A lot of times it goes like the full five rounds. Um, so I anticipate something similar. AJ McKee did put that pressure on himself. He did say, oh, I'm going to finish him in the second round. That's what he said. He told Ariel Hawani that, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know how smart that was. Does that tie into him being a young guy, being a rising star who's never tasted that adversity or the defeat in a fight, rather? I don't know. But just little things like him celebrating early before the fight was actually over with Pitbull um, and him saying... You know, he's going to knock him out in the second round. Things like that make me wonder, could that be the window of opportunity for Pitbull that he takes advantage of a mistake? You know, a mistake from a guy who isn't as weathered, isn't as an experienced as a Patricio Pitbull. So let's get into the actual fight, right? In that fight, I'm giving the wrestling advantage to AJ McKee. I just am. Uh, in the striking, well, it's tough, right? I think Pitbull has more power, but I think AJ has... Obviously, a far better reach. Far better reach. Um, the speed definitely goes to AJ McKee, and that's going to be a big factor in this fight. Is AJ's got more speed than Pitbull. He just does. Pitbull has more power, but AJ will be more prone to landing the bigger shots just because of his speed. And when Pitbull engages, he needs to know that I'm going to have to put myself in positions of danger to win this fight. I think that's what's going to have to happen here. If you look at the first fight, is it really a direct representation of who Pitbull is as a fighter? No, it's not. Pitbull is a lot better than that. Pitbull is a lot better than what he showed. And that's what I expect to see in the second fight. I expect to see, I'm going to say that it goes to a decision. I am. I'm going to say AJ McKee wins a decision, like a 49, 46, maybe something along those lines, you know? I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be AJ McKee via unanimous decision. Um, but I do think it will go five rounds, and I think Pitbull will show a lot better display of himself. So we're to back to talking about sort of the intangibles, who's better at what. When you look at the jiu-jitsu, though, I do think Pitbull is better if it, in the jiu-jitsu department. I think Pitbull can definitely catch AJ in a submission if he's not careful. If he gets reckless in the guard or in the top mount, something could happen along those lines of a, of a finish for Patricio Pitbull. But I don't know, man. I just see the momentum on AJ McKee's side. He's a younger fighter. He's a faster fighter. Just looks like the plain better fighter now. Is Does Pitbull have a... Is he a smarter fighter than him? I'd probably say, yeah. I'd probably give the advantage to Pitbull in terms of like a an IQ, a fight IQ. But again, it's tough, man, because we don't know what's going to happen because he just finished him so early in that fight and that to me wasn't a great representation of how pitbull fights usually go he's he's a beast he's a warrior and then when we got pitbull historically who does well in rematches 
makes you think, right? Like, you know, I don't know. It makes you think, how is this going to go? Could it be similar to like a Rose Namajunas fight versus uh, Joanna Yemjechek where Rose knocked her out early in the first one and the second one, you know, Joanna showed like, maybe I'm not better than you, but it, it ain't that far out, that much of a discrepancy like in the first fight where you knocked me out in the first round. I think that's a scenario in which we see here. We see AJ McKee win this fight by decision. But, hey, we're going to find out tonight, right? You know, short amount of time after this, once this podcast is uploaded, we're going to find out. So I will be right or I will be wrong. And then one thing I did want to say, I did want to talk about is, are these two guys just not two of the best featherweights on the planet in general? In general? I mean, these guys, if they were in the UFC, would they not? I think they'd be in the top five. For sure they'd be in the top five in the UFC right now. If Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee were in the UFC right now in the featherweight division, they would be in the top five. Book it. Book that shit. Would they be champion? Do I think that one of them are better than Volkanovski or Holloway? Personally, I don't. But would they be at their heels? Would they be nipping at their toes? Absolutely. And they would both be in the top five, no question. AJ McKee maybe could beat Holloway, could beat Volkanovski. We have yet to see if something like that could even happen. So... Don't sleep on these guys. Don't sleep on this fight. I've heard a lot of people say, hey, this is Bellator. What do you mean? Why? Because this isn't a UFC fight. If a fight's big, I am covering this shit regardless. I am excited for it regardless. I don't care what promotion it's under. A fight is a fight. If it's a good fighter, it's a good fighter. So, two strong guys. Two big guys. Now, I want to transition off that because I think it is a good segue to say that the next fight in uh, Nadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson... Are those not two of the best light heavyweights on the planet as well? That's why I love this Bellator 277 card. That's why I think this is the best Bellator card of all time. Because you have two fights, a co-main event and a main event, which you can truly debate whether those guys are better than the guys in the UFC, the champions, the top five guys. It's a very viable debate, guys. And if it's not, then I don't know what you're watching. Corey Anderson and Nadim Nemkov, Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee are four of the best fighters on the planet. Bar none. No, it doesn't matter what promotion. So you better watch these fights tonight, guys. It's, it's, if you're an MMA fan, tune into this shit. You know, if you can't, obviously, I understand. But if you got nothing to do and you're not watching this fight, if you're not watching at least the co-main and main event, like what the fuck are you doing? So Nadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson. I am so excited for this fight. I am more excited for this one than I am the main event just because this one, to me, is a little bit more unknown. Just my opinion, though. So, Corey Anderson versus Nadim Nemkov, a guy who is an American wrestler versus a guy who is a Sambo wrestler. A very interesting clash of styles there on the ground to see what's going to happen. This fight, I think it's what's going to come down to, personally, it can go other ways, too. Not many other ways, which we're going to get into, but it can go other, but this is what I think it's going to come down to who's a better wrestler because it's going to be a lot of that. Corey Anderson, I'm expecting to see him shoot a lot in this fight. Take down, take down, take down, take down. I'm not even expecting Corey, and nor should he even start engaging in the stand-up because Nadim Nemkov does have the advantage. He does have the advantage. And Corey Anderson, if you see the interviews leading up to this fight, leading up to this Bellator 277 event, Corey Anderson flat out said it. He said, yeah, Nemkov's a better striker than me. Like, I'll give him the advantage standing up. So we know that for a fact. Corey said that for a fact. Not us. Corey said that. It's a, it's, a, it's a certainty that Nadim Nemkov is a better striker. And he is. 
He just is. Corey Anderson's not out here finishing guys, knocking all of them out. He does sometimes because he can blend in with his wrestling. But for the most part, Corey Anderson is going to get you on the ground and look to smash you. That's what he's going to look to do. So Nadim Nemkov, you got to give him the advantage standing up. You have to give him the advantage standing up. His, his, his head kicks are lethal. Look throughout his career in Ryzen, Bellator, whatever it may be. This guy is an absolute monster. I'm a big fan of Nadim Nemkov. You go back and watch his fight against Jan Blahovich, which again, guys, you don't think these guys are the best in the world? Go watch the Jan Blahovich, a lot of people who a lot of people think is the best light heavyweight in the world, correct? A lot of you guys think Jan is going to beat Glover. A lot of people even think Jan's going to run through Glover. I don't see it that way, but whatever. Or even Glover, Jan, Glover, take them all into account. Same level as these guys. But back to Jan specifically, or Yiri rather, not Jan, Yiri. Did I say Jan? I meant to say Yiri, my mistake. <laughs> so Yiri Prohashka fought Nadim Nemkov a long time ago in Ryzen, and it was a hell of a fight. Go back and watch that fight and tell me that Nadim Nemkov cannot compete or even beat Yuri Prohashka after seeing that fight. Yeah, Yuri did beat him, but it was a very good fight. It was a war. Back to this fight, though. Nadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson is a great fight. I mean, that's the best fight you can make at 205 in Bellator bar none. It's one of the best fights you can make at 205 in the world. Um, I do think Corey Anderson is going to win this fight. I'm picking Corey Anderson. I think that when we start, because Corey has good cardio. Corey Anderson's got good cardio. Something we do have to give him a thousand percent of credit to is the guy can keep going. He'll be there around two, three, four. So I'm not saying that Dean Mepcom doesn't, though. I'm just saying Corey, we know I don't think he's going to go away. He's got that wrestling cardio. So. I think it's going to wear on Nadim Nemkov eventually. I think Nadim's going to land some good shots. I do think Nemkov lands a lot of shots in that fight. I think Corey's going to get hit a couple times, maybe even hurt. But if Corey could just withstand a couple big shots, I think eventually the wrestling, his style of wrestling specifically, different from Nadim Nemkov's, is going to wear him down. And I think Corey's going to win a decision. I think Corey wins a five-round decision. I think that's how it goes down. Um, but who knows? It's such a good fight. Who knows? You look at these two guys, and Nemkov, the last fight he lost was to, was it not, he lost, I think he lost to it like a decision after the Yuri fight. It was like a split decision, I think. In Bellator, the guy's what, 7-0 and now? 6-0? and Something along those lines? Corey Anderson's what, 3-0? and 4-0? Corey's been on a tear since he came into Bellator. You know what I mean? Two very good guys. Two very, very good guys. Um, and yeah, I have nothing more to say about this fight than I want to watch this shit. <laughs> and I want to talk about one more fight just a little bit. I want to talk about a guy specifically in Aaron Pico, man. I'm excited for him. Aaron Pico, let's just say flat out, Aaron Pico has been on a fucking roll, man. What is a guy on a five-fight win streak now? Finally, a guy who's starting to come into his own. Finally, a guy who's starting to gain the experience and the confidence more than anything that he needs to keep going. And a guy who had 145 pounds will be a contender in that division. I think he already is a contender, but he will be a problem for that division. Like, he's going to be challenging for that title real soon. I don't know who's going to be holding that 145-pound title. I don't know if AJ McKee is going to go up to 55 and and want to fight Patricio's brother after this, if he's, he is to get past Patricio. But in terms of the 145-pound division, watch out. Because Aaron Pico, is he's arrived. I went to the Aaron Pico fight in Madison Square Garden that he had. Um, that's why I want to pull up his record here. I went to the one 
I believe it was, what, three, four years ago now where Bellator went to the Garden? It was the one where Chael Sonnen retired, his fight against uh, Lyoto Machida. So let's see. McDonald Gracie, that's the one. So that's the last time he lost. The last time that um, Aaron Pico lost was when I went to go watch this kid fight. In, uh, and I say kid because he's so young and he's still learning. 2019, June 14, 2019. That's right. So three years ago, right? And he lost to Adam Borix by a flying knee. So he got he got TKO'd in that fight. Ever since then, you look at Aaron Pico. He beats Daniel Carey. He beats Chris Hatley. He beats... He beats John DeJesus. He beats Aiden Lee. He beats Justin Gonzalez. The guy's on a fucking roll. So watch out, Bellator. You might have a... That might be the new guy in Bellator, man. You know, that might be one of your new stars. Aaron Pico, man, make no mistake, is a very good fighter. Very good fighter. Star potential written all over him, in my opinion. You know, he lost a lot early, and it's because people thought so much of him. If you remember that, it's crazy how now he's finally starting to put it together. He's finally starting to find himself out, and that makes me so happy, man. I'm I'm a big fan of Aaron Pico, and uh, all the best, man, going forward. I really hope hope he does well. Hope he gets into that title shot soon. Now let's get into a recap mode. Now uh, I want to talk a little bit about UFC 273 because we have not we we didn't really talk about that, right? We only talked about I dropped a video on the channel uh, about the Jan and the uh, about the Hamza versus Gilbert Burns fight, but we didn't talk about the rest of the card because it was a fun night, right? It was a good card. Um, let's start with Mackenzie Dern versus Tisha Torres. This was a very close fight, you know. When I I did pick Mackenzie Dern, and that fight did go a lot of ways that we thought, right? Tisha Torres was constantly moving on the outside, staying mobile, circling the cage, looking to land the big shots, just looking to to get the advantage and stand up. Mackenzie was looking to get this fight to the ground, submit her, do what she does on the ground. Mackenzie Dern, a very, very good jujitsu practitioner. If you guys saw that fight, there was some very, very high level and also just entertaining exchanges on the ground. Uh, Just the transitions, everything. Beautiful, beautiful job by these two ladies. Extremely highly skilled MMA mixed martial artists. You know, it was just a great fight. It was a great fight, and it was a close fight. Um, I do, I did agree that Mackenzie Dern won the fight, but I just didn't know. I just didn't know it was tough. Tisha put it on her. Tisha is tough, as tough as they come. And that fight, the minus one twenty uh, odds for a pl- and the plus one hundred for Tisha Torres couldn't have been more true. That fight delivered, and really, just the whole card delivered, with the exception of the main event. But we'll get into that. And then we got Gilbert Burns versus Hamzat Chimaev. Um, I'm going to touch a little bit on that. I'm not going to get too in-depth on it like I usually would because we already dropped a video talking about it a little bit. But it, it's an interesting fight, right? Because, guys, we saw we saw kinks in the Monsters game. We saw kinks in this, in this unslayable beast that everyone was petrified of, that no one wanted to fight. We saw a guy who for once was a human being. He's mortal, guys. He bleeds. He he can get cut open. He can fatigue. He can get knocked down. He can get out-wrestled, out-scrambled, out-struck. He's a real guy. He's not a guy who is levels above. And I say this to you guys, but I'm, I 
say I directed right back towards myself because there was no one riding Hamzat's nutsack more than I was. I was the biggest D rider of Hamzat. I was on the I was fucking driving the hype train, damn it. I was in the front line at least. At least. So I was just as shocked as you guys. My eyeballs were wide open when I'm watching that fight. So I'm in my garage watching this fight, and I see Gilbert start landing these big shots. You know, just the fight as it plays out. I'm watching this, and I'm just standing to my TV, and I'm sure a lot of MMA fans can relate to this. I'm just standing there with my eyes open like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I did not say a word throughout the entire fight. My mouth was just wide open, eyes wide open, staring at the TV like two inches from the TV. Could like some something out of like a fucking anime scene. It was funny, but it's because that fight just was that damn good. One of the best fights I've ever seen in my in my life. Maybe not like from bell to bell. Oh, they didn't hit each other as much as other you know best fights you've ever seen. I don't even mean like that. Or maybe it wasn't as gory, but. Everything taken into account, this is one of the best fights I've ever seen because of the hype behind it, because of the story of this monster, and then this heavyweight, this uh, this great contender, rather, that was able to knock down the pound-for-pound king colliding, the story of a lot of people doubting Hamza and a lot of people loving him, and just not knowing because he's never faced a top-five guy, you know, like, and for once, it delivering, it was the people's main event going in, and it delivered, it, it, it was like, it's like, and even more so because it was just an even way bigger fight than that. But, like, I take it, like, the Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero shit. Do you remember when that fight was announced and everyone was like, oh, my God, like, what if, like, let's fucking go. Mark that on the calendar. That shit delivered. We were anticipating it. It delivered. This, we were anticipating it. It delivered. It was, it was incredible. It was fucking crazy. And... I would have wanted I wouldn't have wanted it any other way for that fight. It was so fun to watch. Now, when you look at it inside the octagon, what does it mean? It means a lot because there's a lot to unpackage, which we're going to try to get into as in-depth and as quick as possible. Colby Covington and Kamar Usman must be looking at this shit like, "Whoa, I could take that guy. I can take that guy." You know, before this fight, maybe he looked like a boogeyman, looked like a world beater, looked like a killer, but you look at the guy now and Colby's saying, "Oh, you're getting taken down like that? You're getting out-scrambled like that? You're getting knocked down like that? Most importantly, you're getting gassed out like that? Same for Kamar Usman. The exact same thing applies to Kamar Usman, guys. Don't get me wrong. It's same. Both of them are saying this. Both of them are saying, like, really? Really, Hamzat? Okay. Hey, if the fans want to see this fight, if this fight's going to bring me money, which... His social media numbers would say that. The buzz around this guy would say that. The star power around this guy would say that. The astronomically fucking quick rise to stardom, to where he is now, to contendership, would say that this is a huge fight for me. That's what Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington are saying. This is a huge fight for me. And now I think I could, and I, I could beat the motherfucker. I'm sure a lot of people are out there, not just the fighters themselves, but I'm sure a lot of people are out there saying like, oh yeah, my whole perception of Hamzat has changed after this fight. Nobody's saying he's shown kinks in the armor. The guy's number 11 in the world and went in there and beat the number three ranked guy in the world, guys. Okay, he did that. Don't take that away from him. That happened. So it's not, nobody's just saying, oh, he's a buster. That was a whole hype trip. No, there's no, not even, but he's shown he's human. 
He's shown that there's something, there's ways to beat him. So if that fight is to be made next, Hamza versus Colby, that's a super fight. Go watch, I implore, I implore you again to go watch the previous video where we break down, down Hamza versus Colby a little bit. Well, not really. We don't really talk about it too much, but just like the prospect of the fight. And I say that it's a super fight because it, it has to be. It's got to be a super fight. And it's an interesting fight. Now, I want to get back to the Hamza versus Gilbert Burns fight because that is the fight that actually took place. Um, it's an interesting fight, guys, because, again, Gilbert showed us, number one, that he's a dog. And number two, he showed us that we all slept on him. We all slept on him. We all just thought Hamza was going to run through, myself included. And Gilbert showed, no, man, like this isn't going to happen. Now, what I love that the UFC did, and this is something that I was I was thinking about earlier in the week. I was thinking, like, if I had to do the UFC welterweight rankings in my head, right, kind of run through them, I'm thinking in my head, like, how would I do it? And I go, and I the UFC did exactly what I would have done. So I have no problems with how the UFC did the rankings. And this is how they did them, and it makes perfect sense. All they did was throw Hamzad in at number three, bump Leon Edwards to number two, and then move Gilbert Burns down one slot, just one slot to number four. And then everyone else obviously behind Burns, Burns down, just dropped one slot also, right? So that's how, that's how it should be. So now we have Colby, now when you look at the welterweight division, guys, we have the champion. What a, what a division this is now, right? What a division. We have Kamaru Usman, the champion. Colby Covington, the most, maybe the, the biggest fucking contender in the entire UFC, the most, the best contender in the UFC, perhaps. Meaning, like, the biggest threat to everyone in a division that's not the champion in the UFC. We got Leon Edwards. We got Hamza Chimaev, Gilbert Burns, Vicente Luque. What a top five. The UFC welterweight division, guys, is on fire. What do, what other division in the UFC is a top five like this? Kamaru Usman's a champion. Colby Covington, number one. Leon Edwards, number two. Hamza Chimaev, number three. Gilbert Burns, number four. Vicente Luque, number five. Like, what? That's a murder's row right there. And then even outside of it, look at the top ten, guys. Look at the top ten. Bilal Muhammad, Wonderboy, Mazadal, Sean Brady, and Neil Magny. And Kiesa's 11. What the fuck? And Jeff Neal's 12. Like, it's ridiculous. The welterweight division is starting to become one of the best divisions in the company. For sure. If it already hasn't been. I mean, shit, man. Welterweight division's on fire right now. So let's get to the... What is it? The co-main event now? Co-main event. Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan. A robbery, I think. I don't know. I mean, listen, guys. There's so much to get into here. Um, we obviously had Aljamain Sterling getting into it with, with uh, John McCarthy because John McCarthy just honestly stated his claim and said, I thought he won the fight. I thought Piotr Jan won the fight. And then Aljamain Sterling also has a problem and tweeted at Dana saying, we got to talk, boss, or whatever, saying, hey, because Dana said, hey, I thought Jan won the fight. And guess what, guys? I also thought Jan won the fight. Because guess what? He did win the fucking fight. Is it not clear? Is it not obvious that he won rounds one, four, and five? Come on. Come on. You don't think he won that first? I might have gotten the, the rounds mixed up. But 
round one specifically, let's just talk about round one then. Because for me, clearly, clearly rounds one, two, three, four, and five, it was 2-2. We could all agree to that, right? So it comes down to round one. Who won round one? Piotr Jan won round one, guys. Piotr Jan won the fucking round. I mean, come on. There's no way you're gonna tell me you didn't win round one. You have two. You have two set. You have a set of eyes, two eyeballs, and you saw that fucking fight. You're telling me Piotr Jan didn't win round one. You're telling me Piotr Jan didn't win the fight. Let's look at the statistics for round one. Total strikes. Aljamain Sterling. 16-13. But when you look at the round, go look at that round. Go see how that round played out. And you tell me that Piorian won that fight. Significant stats might say it was a close round. And it was close enough for people to think Aljo won. Yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't close, but come on, dude. You don't think Piorian won that fight? And I might even sound like an Aljamain Hurst Sterling hater. If Aljo, I thought, won the fight, Aljo won the fight, whatever. I'm going in there thinking Piotr Jan won the fight. That's what I'm thinking. Like, when they're about to call, the Bruce Buffer's about to call, I'm thinking Piotr Jan won the fight. And that fucked me up because I was about to be 5 for 5. I was about to have another 5 for 5 uh, weekend. Out of the three of the main card picks that we've done, I was about to be 5 for 5 again. Now, hey... It doesn't bother me that if if I'm wrong, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to be wrong in the future a lot. But, I mean, it's annoying when there's a robbery because that was a robbery. You got the company, the you got the, you know, the fucking boss of the company guys coming out and saying Piotr Jan won the fight. He said, I thought Piotr Jan won the fight. I mean, come on. Let's get real. He won three rounds of the fight. Am I going to argue someone to the death because similar to like the Whitaker and Adesanya thing, in a way I could almost see where somebody thought Whitaker won, but I just I just think you're wrong. I don't know. In both scenarios, I would think you're wrong. So you look at it, right? Aljamain Sterling, um, he did a lot in that fight, right? He did. He did do good at what he does. But on the feet, he looked like just a deer in headlights. Even when Piotrian would throw shots, Aljo would just duck his head and just look and look away. Very sloppy, like striking defense. And I just saw a better fighter in Piotrian. I just did. I don't know. Aljamain Sterling obviously had those rounds where he got his back. But how was that a 10 8 round? How was that a 10 8 round? He was just constantly threatening a submission, but what he, he didn't hurt Piotrian. There was no threat of him being finished. Yeah, you tried to finish him multiple times, but you you had his back for like four minutes and you couldn't finish him. Like if that's your specialty, you said that if you you said Aljo that if you got his back in this fight, that you were gonna finish him. That's what you said leading up to the fight. You said if I get his back on the ground, it's over. I'm taking his back and I'm choking him out. Okay, so you had all this ground time, you had all this back control, and what happened? What'd you do with it? You didn't finish it. You probably had more back control time than you would have thought. When you were saying that you were going to just get his back and choke him out in this fight. Even when you were making those statements, I bet you didn't think you were going to have this much time on the ground with him to be able to choke him out. And you didn't do it. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying, dude. Like, So you're coming out here and saying these are 10-8 rounds. But what damage did you do? What, what damage did you inflict on him on the ground? Just, I want to see it. 
If it's a 10-8 round, I don't want to see you. So, okay, guys. So, Aljamain Sterling says that there was like two 10-8 rounds. If it's a 10-8 round, yeah, I don't want to see a guy who's just trying to get it, who's just trying to lock in a rear naked choke for four minutes. If it's a 10-8 round, show me a guy who, when they're standing up, knocked him down. Sat his ass down. Show me a guy who, when they're on the ground, is ground and pounding him and almost finishes the fight. That's what I want to see in a 10-8 fight. I want to see you quadruple him, triple him, quadruple him in overall strikes landed. That's a 10-8 round. We're not giving 10-8 rounds out now because guys are, oh, because you took his back and controlled him for four minutes, but you didn't even threaten to hurt him or anything. You threatened submissions, but you didn't hurt him. You didn't threaten, you didn't threaten a, a KO. You didn't threaten anything else. You were just... You were just trying to choke him out. And I get that. That's your game. But don't sit here and say that this is going to be, that these are 10-8 rounds. They're not 10-8 rounds, Aljo. They're not. And you said that there's two. There's no 10-8 rounds in there. I don't know, man. Like, for you to just say, for you to just think that you won the fight so confidently, even post-fight, that's something that bothers me. Like, you're going on this whole victory parade, sending out all these memes to people. Like, bro, just stay humble. You won. You shut everybody up. Just leave, leave it be. You're not gain Aljo, you didn't gain any fans in this fight, bro. You did not gain fans in this fight. You might think you want you gain fans, but guess what? The same way they were chanting, fuck you, Aljo, which I wouldn't have done if I was there. I'm not a hater like that. I would have just watched the fight and respected both of you. But, hey, man, when you come out in your next fight, don't expect people to be cheering you. They're going to be booing you. Because why? Because in the two fights of Jan that you've had, in the two title fights of your career, one, you have won by DQ, which was not your fault, but then you chose to take pictures of the belt, which was your fault, which is why you got the backlash. And then in the second one, again, not your fault, but you won a decision that was bad, which happens a lot in the sport. Not your fault. All right, guys, so let's get into this main event a little bit. It was Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie. Um, not a great fight, not a fun fight. Um, I, I, I made several posts, you know, whether it was a shorts or clips or whatever it was where I was saying, this is a boring fight. It's just a boring fight. No disrespect to Korean zombie, like it, but it's just not a fun fight because this is a guy who you can literally argue there was four guys that would have deserved this shot more than him. And I get that the current situation where everything lined up. Made sense for Korean Zombie. I get it. I do. I'm not saying that he was the most deserving at that moment in time. But if you look at the whole totality of the division, it didn't make sense for Korean Zombie just overall in general to be fighting for a title to begin with. I get that the Holloway fight got pulled off. Okay, so pull that fight off the card. Don't be bringing in a guy who's like number five or six in the world who you know should not be in there. Number four, whatever. Korean Zombie should not have been in there. We said this how many times, guys? Like, because whoever was fooled that this was going to be a good fight, whoever fooled themselves into thinking this is going to be a good fight is just dumb. I mean, how the fuck was this ever going to be a good fight in any way? Really? And not to sound negative, but shit, I mean, it's a fight that I thought was boring, that I, I didn't even want to see, really. You should have just rebooked the Holloway fight. And guess what happens? You go out there, and guess what? It's not even competitive. Volkanovski literally has the advantage in every fucking department in the fight. Maybe power, but what's Korean Zombie doing with that? Nothing. No disrespect, but when I'm seeing Korean Zombie, I mean, I'm seeing Volk do what he does to Brian Ortega and Ma Max Holloway do what he does to Brian Ortega. And then I see Brian Ortega go out there against uh, Korean Zombie and fucking piece him up. 
There's levels to this. I know MMA math doesn't work, but there's levels to this. Ba- everyone was able to do the MMA math based on that whole carousel of the top six when they faced each other, mix and matches. Everyone was able to do enough math to say that Korean Zombie, that Volkanovski was a minus 700 favorite in that fight. And it should have been higher. And it's because of why it was not an interesting fight. I get it. That was a situation. That's what had to be done. All that good stuff. Whatever. I, I get it. But does that mean I have to be interested in the fight? No. Does that mean that the fight could have been... Does that mean that the fight had to had to happen? That they had to have Volkanovski there? No. Rebook it. Volkanovski doesn't have to fight three times a year. Could be fought fucking one time a year. You're telling me Volkanovski is detrimental that Volkanovski fights there. They're going to strip him or something? No. Rebook the Holloway fight for the summer. Or for now. Holloway's ready now. If you would have just waited and just rebooked it, you could have just rebooked it like two pay-per-views later. Because Holloway like came out and said, oh, I'm ready. Like shortly after he was hurt. It was a quick recovery. Which Volk did take the time to bash him for. It's a little weird, man. The whole Volkanovski thing. It's not. I don't. I don't hate Volkanovski either. I don't. I think he's a great fighter. It just bothers me that he doesn't acknowledge. He thinks that people are like delusional, or like he thinks people hate him. That think that like Max won the decision. Or like he never addresses it. Like you should at least say like, oh, listen, it was a close fight. Honestly, it could have gone to Max, but I'm the champ. We're the two best guys. But no, he literally likes act like he won the fight. Like he just brushes it off, and that bothers me. Like, just address the real. Like, how do you think you won that fight, bro? You didn't win that fight. You know, you just didn't. <laughs> you know? It, it does bother me to a certain extent, but what bothers me more is why was this fight even made? And why was this fight the main event? UFC, like, I sound like I'm in a bitchy mood today. Shit. I'm not, I promise you. This pay-per-view just pissed me off, really. Like, a pay-per-view's never pissed me off as much as this one. Even going into it, I was like, I hate the co-main and main event. Like, two stupid title fights. Because at the time, I'm not going to lie, I thought Jan was going to run through Aljo. And then this fight, I thought it was going to be the way it did end up being. I was right on one of them. But Jan still won the fight. Let's not get it right. But credit to Aldo, Aljo. It's a way better fight than I thought it was going to be. It was a way better fight. But again, it just gets me mad because it wasn't fun for me. Why is this fight even happening? Why is this fight even happening? You know? I don't know. Luckily, it played out well. You know, like, the card was exciting overall. And uh, we saw the fight that Zombie just couldn't keep going. They had to stop it. And Zombie was stumbling left and right. It looked terrible. So, yeah, congratulations to Volkanovski. But, hey, my man, if you want to prove it to myself and the fans, you have to fight Max Holloway and beat him for real this time, a second time. You beat him the first time, 100%. You were the champ, but guess what? He beat you the second time and took your belt. In my eyes, he's a champion. You got to go and take your belt back in the trilogy. That's the way this shit works, buddy. You did not win that second fight. Sorry, you just didn't. So, let's move on to MMA news. I like you, Volkanovski, by the way. I'm sorry. Just circumstances have made this very irritating for me. Let's move on to MMA news, guys. Let's uh, close out the show on a lighter note. Unless we start seeing, like, fucking Kane shit and all that. Then... There's going to be a dark podcast all day. I'm joking, but let's get into this. Jake, oh, this was just came out 39 minutes ago. What the fuck? Come on, man. Jake Paul on Dana White and future UFC fight. I think he's coming around to me. So what is Jake Paul taking the approach of being nice to Dana now? Let's see. He says, I think it's timing and proving myself more in the boxing side of things. This kid's saying proving myself more on the boxing side of things, and he's talking about fighting in the UFC. Just think about that for a second. 
I think it's timing and prove myself more in the boxing side of things. Paul told the fight with, oh, he was on Teddy Atlas's podcast. He says, pretty soon the UFC and MMA side will be undeniable to get into some octagon or fight or one of those organizations against the big name. So I think it's all a timing thing. And Dana seems to be open to it. He said on my brother's podcast, he might let Logan fight in the UFC. And I think he's coming around to me and starting to see what I'm about and what I stand for. Obviously, he doesn't like me harping on the fighter pay side of things and sort of harming his business and being a shareholder in Endeavor and pushing on the in the investment side of things, Paul said. But there's definitely a feud there. So we'll see what happens. Dude. I do not want to see the Paul brothers in the UFC. I just don't. I don't. And talking about that Logan fight, let's get into something else. This is going to be a fucking ranting dark podcast today. Shit, man. This is pissing me off this podcast today. I don't know why. Everything just seems to be topics that like infuriate me, which is weird. This never happens. And it feels like I'm just getting a whole smorgasbord of it today. Good word, smorgasbord. Logan Paul and Jake Paul, like, dude, by your fucking guys your own size. Like, Logan Paul's talking about, it's like what Michael Bisping said, and I put it on all my channels, a clip of what Michael Bisping said on his YouTube channel. Michael Bisping said, like, dude, you guys are fighting small fucking guys, and it's true. Like, Logan Paul, you want to fight Patty Pimblett. Let me get this straight, Logan. You want to fight Patty Pimblett, a guy who fights at 155 pounds in the UFC, a guy who, when he blows up to 185 pounds, which he shouldn't even be blowing up to 185 pounds, that's just terrible nutrition and just dieting outside the cage, outside of fighting. You want to fight a guy who blows up to 185 pounds and is 185 pounds fat. 185 pounds fat, out of shape. You're saying, oh yeah, I'm going to make my weight, I'm going to uh, cut weight and go all the way down to 185 uh, pounds and deplete my body and fight a guy who is just fat. That's a fight. Yeah, yeah. Let's watch that shit. Dude, what about on fight night when you blow back up to 210 pounds or whatever the fuck you are? 220. You're going to fight a guy who's really weighing in in shape. He's like 155 pounds. Come on, bro. Like, if you're going to make statements like that, like, don't do stupid shit. Like, stop saying stupid stuff. Like, that's a problem people have with you guys. You guys don't fight people your own fucking weight, your own fucking size. And I get it. You're trying to make a show. But, dude, it's ridiculous. Like, nobody's going to take you guys serious as fighters if, you start, if you're fighting fucking Floyd Mayweather and Patty Pimblett, bro. Come on. Like, why are you using this whole shtick of, I'm going to fight guys that are better than me, but it's going to make sense because I'm tw twice the size of them. No, bro, fuck that. You dip your toes in the water. Get your ass in the pool, bro. You want to be in this pool? Swim with the sharks, bro. Stop dipping your toes in the water. Stop taking advantage of people, bro. Fight people your own fucking size, Logan. And you too, Jake. Ridiculous with these guys, bro. Like, it's cool at first, but now it's just getting annoying. Like, what do you mean you're going to fight Patty Pimblett, bro? I wish he would have said that shit when Dana White went on his podcast, on Logan's podcast. I wish he would have said that to Dana, not Ariel. Because Ariel kisses everyone's ass, honestly. Ariel Helwani kisses every person's ass that goes on his show. He just does. He's Ariel's never going to ask Logan. You realize how... He's never going to tell Logan. Like, you realize how stupid it is that you're saying that you want to fight Patty Pimlet. Do like you even realize, like, the disparity in weight, the whole scenario that I just talked about? Like, do you even realize that? He has guys like Aljamain Sterling on and doesn't even question it. He's like, oh, yeah, Aljo. Like, it's almost like he thinks Aljo won going away. Like, dude, why don't you fucking stop sucking up to people for once and actually using and standing your own on your own two feet? That's what you should do. But you don't do that. So I don't know, man. These, some of these guys, man, are just annoying. Like, 
Like you, yeah, you got Logan and Jake Paul on your podcast, bro, or on your show, and you think, and it's fine, and you don't want to say anything that doesn't make them come back. Fuck it, dude, just be your own man. Ask the hard hitting questions that got you here. That's what you used to do. Patricio Pitbull calls AJ McKee very unethical for flirting with UFC while holding Bellator belt. That's interesting, right? Because AJ McKee has been talking a lot about he wants to fight in the UFC. He's been talking a lot about, you know, like. It's, it's his destiny to hold the UFC belt. And the guy said, speak of the devil, on Ariel Hawani's show, I think it was yesterday, he said, or two days ago, he said, hey, I'm on a three-fight deal. I have three fights left on my contract. If Bellator, when I negotiate that new deal, he's like, if Bellator doesn't pay me a million per fight, he's like, I'm take, he's like, I'm not taking anything less than a million per fight now. If Bellator ain't paying me less than a million per fight, I'm not taking it. I'm not fighting for anything less than that. So the guy wants to go to the UFC. But I'm going to tell you what. AJ McKee, if you're telling Bellator that you are that you do not want to fight for anything less than a million per fight now, and you're saying you want to go to the UFC, good luck with that. Because in the UFC, you're not going to come right in and get paid a million per fight. I don't think Dana's going to do that. Depending on what you could do. If you could become a double champion, then maybe you come in and you get paid the big money. But you're going to have to show that you can bring in the... You're going to have to show that you can bring in the mainstream audience, not just the hardcore fans that watch Bellator. If you can do that, then you can make a million buys. Then you can make a million rather per fight. But right now, I'm not seeing it. AJ McKee says there's no real beef with Team Diaz despite past run-ins, but welcomes future fight with Nate Diaz. So they did have a couple run-ins, right? Diaz and AJ McKee. But it's so stupid because AJ McKee fights at 145 pounds. Diaz is like 170 now for sure. He's never making 155. Kevin Lee avoids knee injury, looking to return for training camp in the summer. Uh, I mean, listen, if they're going to make Kevin Lee the poster boy of Eagle FC, it's exciting to see what the next move's going to be, right? He's a guy that, you know, a lot of people feel had a lot of potential that was never able to reach it. Let's see if the guy can reach it now in Eagle FC, right? It's going to be interesting. Cub Swanson blown away by UFC Hall of Fame inductions. I put so much into the sport. Yeah, UFC Cub Swanson got into the Hall of Fame with that fight he had, right? It's obviously one of the best fights of all time. Um, and it's a fight against, I forget the guy's name always, but that fight went to the Hall of Fame, and it was it was an incredible fucking fight. Incredible fight. And that fight deserves to go into the Hall of Fame. When I saw that fight, I, I just, I was just blown away. So he deserves, Cub Swanson deserves more recognition than he gets. He's a very, very good fighter. He's been around for a long time, guys. Paid his dues. Corey Anderson reveals the advice Daniel Cormier gave him that changed his career trajectory forever. Interesting. Before I left, I'm going to be honest with you. I commentate and I fight there. There's no reason that you should not be UFC champion by the end of 2020. He said there's no reason you shouldn't be champion. It was just it was just from the work we put in. Okay, so that's what DC said. DC said that there's no reason why Corey Anderson should not be champion. That's what... He told Corey Anderson. So that's interesting. Corey Anderson, again, is he a guy that could have been a champion if he was in the UFC right now? He could might be the light heavyweight champion of the world right now. It's very possible because he beat Jan already. Jan starts him, but if he stayed in the UFC, he could have fought Jan again and won if he had executed his game plan, which is something he's going to look to do tonight against uh, Nemkov, right? But Jan just got to But Corey beat Jan the first time. So who's to say he wouldn't have been the light heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC right now, you know?
Alexander Volkanovsky, Henry Cejudo, Alexander Volkanovsky says Henry Cejudo still needs to prove himself in our division, even if he rejoins USADA. It's true. And the thing about Henry Cejudo, which is annoying also, is Henry Cejudo won a... Dana White does not... Dana White is done with people winning belts and walking off. Okay? He's he's never going to do that again. And you want to do it again, and after George St. Pierre did it too, it's not going to happen, bro. Dana White's not going to let you do that. You come back and fight at 35, or you earn your way to a 45-pound title shot. That's how it works. At least one fight. Give him one fight at least. Just fight a top guy. Fight a top guy at 45. Fight somebody. And then get the 45-pound title shot. That's what you should do. Aljamain Sterling says, reacts to Dana White, says Pierre Jan should have won at UFC 273. Aljamain Sterling says it's a slap in the face. Aljamain Sterling says it's a slap in the face that Dana White said that Piotr Jan should have won at UFC 273. So it's a slap in the face that he's giving his opinion. I don't know. That seems fucking stupid to me. Aljamain Sterling happy with UFC 273 performance rips John McCarthy. That guy sucks. Why, Aljo? Why does that guy suck? Because he gave his opinion like Dana White? Come on, bro. Marlon Marais announces his retirement from mixed martial arts. Hey, man, good career. Um, and the downfall was just obvious. You know, he was, he was on an upswing and then boom, just down. And that's how the sport goes. And he got out quick. He didn't just take knockdown, knockout losses and then just say, oh, okay, now it's time. He got out at the right time. So credit to you, Marlon, and best of luck in future endeavors, man. Jacare closes the door on MMA return, but likes boxing match with Costa. Would, benef- would KO Belfort again? Interesting. Jacare. So two guys who seem to have closed the door on MMA. And uh, on that note, I say we close the door on this podcast. There's not much more to talk about. We got to everything. And with that, I say thank you so much for tuning in. Like and subscribe to this video. Follow us on all platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week, guys.